Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. I got sick and tired of blowing money on trainings and coaches giving me advice that just weren't helping me move past my blocks and be successful in my business and shine the light that I was created to shine in my life. So I made a decision. Are you ready to make a decision? Would you like to stop blocking your own path to success and fulfillment? Maybe you want to gain the confidence to overcome life challenges yourself. You are in the right place if so. We welcome you to listen to this week's discussion. Did you miss a week? You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. To get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. It's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Julia Cologne from the city that never sleeps, New York City. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Aloha, and welcome. You're listening to Soul, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth Talk Radio. Team Clarity members share their class time with us for two main reasons. Reason number one, they want those they hold near and dear to know about the changes that they're making on multiple levels. As they change, by listening to these classes, people who know Team Clarity members may opt to change along with them. Reason number two, to share their stories with you. I bet their stories and life lessons will inspire all sorts of ahas for you too. Okay, time to start the class. How are you tracking down a mentor? I'm really curious about, did you just use the yellow pages? Did you Google? Did you, I mean, what steps are y'all taking to, to find people that are doing what you want to be doing? This is Julia. I have a coach. I will be meeting with him this Wednesday, and uh, these are the questions that I'm going to ask him because he is with network marketing. I really resonated with him when I was attending one of his webinars. He spoke about the same type of topic or subjects that uh, Pay Me What I'm Worth has. When he was talking, I just felt like he was talking directly to me. And so I really resonated with him and I followed him. I sent him an email and told him it could take a few minutes out of our coaching period so I can ask him some questions and say, yeah. So, Julia, I'm just curious about that with your mentor because I know as I was reading the chapter, I was going through Roman and I was thinking, I respect this person's business acumen. I respect this, I respect that, but I was finding a very hard time going through and identifying that person who's literally living that life that I want because I have knowledge of this person, think he's fantastic, one of my mentors too, but I'm curious, what about his life are you resonating with? Because I can see and understand that you appreciate his business, but where it comes from what, what you've been saying as far as your vision for your life, I'm, I'm curious where the bridge is. I don't want his life. I want my own life. I love what he does, how he inspires others and how he takes the time to help others and how serious he is about his business, how he can talk and relate to people. His experiences are the same as mine, and that's what I respect about him. 
and he loves what he's doing. Do I want to have his life? No. I respect his life, and I respect him as a person. His opinion and his feedback does matter to me. I think he's doing what he loves. It, it shows. I, so, and I think that this is a really, I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's a very good, important point of definition, maybe so, because as I read this, the, the chapter, I was thinking I needed to find a mentor on a more complete level, not totally, but that was living the lifestyle that I wanted to live as far as how they affect people, was living, was doing business in a way that I respected, was the kind of person in general who attracted people. So I was thinking more holistically rather than just one area of it. So I think that's an important distinction. Can you help us out with that? I'm glad you're bringing that up. This is key. I'm at where I'm at today because I did a a heck of a lot of research on people. At that point in time, they were doing what I only dreamed of doing. I hadn't even yet even thought of doing it realistically. I was just dreaming of doing it. I searched out people that, for example, there's a gentleman that's a multi-billionaire who owns his own island. He's uh, the head of a major record company. He is so philanthropic. He gets people together who changes literally countries in the way that they do things. I mean, he does things on massive scale. I want to be living on my own island. I would love to have a retreat center where I pay people to come and take a silent retreat, which means, I'm sorry, but Christina will never come to the island for a <laughs> I digress. We'll, um, we'll get her then. Yeah. Chapter three is about identifying those people that you think, oh my God, they would never talk to me. I'm a peon. They, these, these are the people that I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging you to knock on their door because guess what? When I knocked on their door, to my utter amazement, they answered. And they were so excited that I knocked on their door. And I learned a great deal about those people that when I knocked on their door and they're like, who are you? Did you call my agent? Did you, I mean, if they couldn't be bothered with me, that's not the person I want to be. So I knew they couldn't be my mentor. So that's the type of people I'm asking you all to reach out to is who are they? And even in my process of doing research to knock on that person's door, I learned so much about them. I read their Wikipedia pages. I read their books. I listened to their YouTubes. I listened to their blog talk radio shows. I got to know them so that when I knocked on their door, I could ask them questions that went bang. They knew I did my research. I'm not just some wonky reporter looking for a five-minute interview. The energy was there. That makes the difference. Yeah. So for me, I was thinking that it's important to to really go in that deep and that, in fact, there's no way I was going to be able to do this with just one or two interviews either. I'm going to need to go in more depth with more than just one or two people. Totally. Uh, I'm glad you gave that definite, that distinction for us. Luckily for me, the person that had already crossed my path on a few committees is a psychiatrist at the VA. He's done for years groundbreaking work in transgender health care. What I see in him, and we've had a couple of 
conversations so far, but we've had a hard time getting together face-to-face because he's only on campus two days a week and he has other responsibilities. I'm learning more about him. I'm pulling out articles that he's written or co-written about transgender health care. And what I'm looking for is perhaps how I can make a difference on a federal level for veterans who are transgender and searching for a place that they can call home to get the help they need. But it's, it's definitely a work in progress. I was going to ask if we could have two weeks on this. <laughs> I just feel for me to go, for me, myself personally, so I might need to make some extra time in to, to make that happen. I agree with Christina. <laughs> we should have two weeks for that. We can. We can. And just from a timeline situation, just so that we don't feel like the pressure, I mean, we are, we are rapidly heading into month number five of our 12-month journey. And chapter four, I've already asked Christina how she feels about us spending possibly two months on chapter four because our worth timeline, as you put this into perspective, the reason why I encourage you to really dive into this mentorship interview stuff is because part of our worth timeline is not just what has happened to you. It's what you want to happen to you. In our worth timeline, a little spoiler alert here is I'm going to invite you to plan out the next 10 years in your life. I'm going to ask you to chart out what do you want to see happen in your next 10 years because part of the magic of that law of attraction is the more we visualize it, the more we dream it, the more those dreams become real, the more we give our cosmic order takers direct directions, concrete directions of what we're looking for. What I've learned in my life is if I'm planning it out and it's just not happening as fast as I would like, maybe that's not my plan. Maybe there's something else. If I'm pushing the boulder up the hill, I need to know that. And by getting a hold of mentors who are doing what I want to be doing, I can ask them those questions. Did you ever have a time where you just said, screw it, I'm out of here, I'm done, this is too damn hard? And those are the most intriguing questions because then I really get to learn, what did they do to keep persistent? What did they do to all the dream squashers that looked at them and said, you're just full of it? How did they handle rejection? And wow, the insights that I got from that, oh, I still tingle from. Remember how we talked about facts and fictions? What's some of your takeaways from our discussions around last week's talk about facts and fictions? I want to dust that off a little bit. What are taking root in you about facts and fictions? Why don't we kick it off with Chelsea? Chelsea, when you're done, hand it off to somebody else, and then when you're done, hand it off to somebody else, and we'll go that sort of route. Looking at my life and looking at facts and fiction. I can tell you that the majority of my life I've lived in Chelsea world where I was the queen and everything was just fabulous. It didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter what my past was. It didn't matter what happened to me as a child. It didn't matter if my dad died in prison. Everything was fabulous in my world because I didn't want to face my facts. But I can honestly say that after coming out of that, and being able to look at what the true facts of my life were and are, and the lessons I've learned has made such a difference. As a matter of fact, I gave a CEU, an hour CEU at work, 
and I called it a slice of a troubled life. And I told all my coworkers in this meeting, I did it as a storytelling event, and talked about where I was born, my parents, my dad going to prison, and talked about my abuse and talked about everything, and it was so liberating. Those are my facts. It is what it is. It's one of my things I say all the time. But it's important that I step up to my facts, embrace them, and learn from them and go on. Marcia? When it comes to my facts and fiction, I have to look at my facts, and I know exactly what they are right now. I myself still have that struggle because there's a lot of people that I really do know that were in my other program. I learned so much in that program, and I'm so grateful for it. Yet, at the same time, I had learned a little bit of fiction there as well. As far as balance, I didn't really learn it the right way. So I want to go and approach these people, but yet I know that they have the same fiction in their minds, that for them it's the truth. Whereas for me, it no longer is that truth because I know that there has to be that balance of giving and receiving. So to approach certain people that I would love to approach, I, as a mentor, am not sure how to go about approaching these people. And I, even though I really, really want to make them see the difference, but how do I do that? I wish that I could approach them in a way where they didn't feel threatened by what I had to say and could just put on that discovery cap like I did and with fresh eyes. My factual world is I have certain mentors right now that I can approach, definitely, and I have chosen some mentors for my life. There are so many other people in my life that I would love to approach and because they don't have that same concept of balance that I do, it's a challenge. Well, Marshall, I'm just curious because we started this understanding doubt, guilt, shame, and worry and the position that those four things put us in. Right. When we were having our discussion last week about fact and fiction, one of the key things that we talked about was being unapologetic about who we are and who we're growing to be. Right. I'm not apologizing for my decision to change. What I'm trying to figure out, I guess, is how do I approach these people in such a way where they don't feel that I'm a threat or where they don't feel that I'm challenging them? Well, there's there's not a a challenge in it if, in fact, we're just mirroring back. I remember in a previous discussion where the importance of a mentor being able to mirror back. And a person can choose to own that or they can choose to turn their back to it. But in fact, being a leader and a mentor, aren't we in some way obligated to absolutely mirror that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And to go even further back, and I don't know, Soul, maybe you can interject on this on this thought process, but I'm, that daggone Yahari window is like present in my mind all the time. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, Marsha, there are so many people that are going to be absolutely affected by you and that are going to be able to grow that are sitting there watching you very silently because they resonate with you so much. They are like watering at the mouth at this growth. But in fact, if you hold it back, 
aren't you creating that blindness that they can't get fully all of that growth? You can't hand them the keys if you're hiding who you are, right? That's correct. You're right about that. Let me reframe this. I want to ask the entire Team Clarity group. If you discovered that I, as your call facilitator and umbrella holder as you take this journey with me, if all of a sudden you discovered that I'm one of the most controlling, manipulative people you've ever had in your life because I'm so busy worrying about what you think about me and what you have to feel about me that I'm monitoring everything I say and I'm going over in my mind, oh my God, if I say this, they're going to think I'm abusive or if I, if I say this, they think I'm going to be a challenge and if I say this, I'm going to be... So I'm controlling myself such that I think I'm being kind and I'm being compassionate and I'm not letting you grow because I'm not letting myself grow, all of these wicked forms of control serve none of us and you wake up to that, how would you feel about me? I would say disappointment. As I'm listening to everybody and what you have said, so we have throughout our entire lives, had mentors, whether we knew it or not. People who either taught us through their experiences or through how they treated you, a lesson that needed to be learned. But there's always that risk if you look on someone and you realize that they're a mentor and they disappoint you, that can be hard, but it's also a lesson. Let me just tell you, girl, high five on that one. High five on that one. I remember when I first came to college, and I expected that of my basketball coach. I guess I kind of thought I'm leaving home, and I wanted that from her. She's a, a strong woman, powerful. She's opinionated, passionate. She's black. She understands. She comes from a small southern town. Like all these things I was attributing to her, thinking that I was going to get from her. And quite honestly, I got the biggest lessons of my early adulthood from her, but it was out of the disappointment that she didn't meet any of those standards, that she didn't meet any of those, I guess, expectations, if you will. But she did not at all live, present what I had hoped I was going to learn from her. But that was the biggest lesson of my young adulthood. One of the most powerful books I suggest you all, if you haven't read it yet, that you find out, The Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements, author Don Miguel Ruiz, one of the four agreements is do not care what other people think. Period. Full stop. What part of that sentence don't you understand? He said to be point blank in one of our seminars. He said, Soul, the moment you start caring what I think, you start manipulating and controlling me, and I, quite frankly, do not want manipulative and controlling people in my life. I have no control over what you feel. I have no control over what you think. I do not want to have control over what you feel, and I do not want to have any control over what you think. And if you think I've pissed you off, or you think I've hurt you, or you feel abused, or you feel neglected, or whatever negative energy you want to transfer to me, that's your shit. Deal with it. You could have knocked me over with a feather at that point. (laughs) 
Chelsea, isn't that exactly. one of my favorite things? That's your shit. This mm-hmm. this is not my shit. <laughs> Mine is not my circus, not my monkeys. So, Marcia, you're asking the question, what can you do to change? Two words. Don't care. <laughs> you're right. Why do you care if other people in a former program that you now recognize that they're operating under advanced illusions, and many of the groups do that, advanced illusions. I was one of the original people that got involved in EST. Anybody know what EST is? No. Okay. A derivative of that is a watered-down version of it. I won't give the company name because I'll probably get in liability issues, but this form of therapy was and is today still very popular because they train people to use doubt, guilt, shame, and worry against you like scalpels, like clubs, like hammers. And I guess there's a lot of people into bondage in S&M because they're lapping it up. They're paying thousands of dollars for a two-day seminar where they listen to a person tell you you're a bunch of shit and you're full of it and you were so illusion and people are crying and going, yes, amen, hallelujah, where do I sign up for the next, oh, the next one's $10,000 next week, oh my God, do you take MasterCard and Visa, I got to split it. Folks, is that what you want from me? No. <laughs> That's all the rage. There's a lot of step programs that use doubt, guilt, shame, and worry to beat you over the head to keep you into a fiction that you're sick. We're taught that from birth, not to offend people, that everything you do and say you had to tamper because it might offend someone. Now, that doesn't mean go out and just be an ass, but we're taught that from birth. I think that's one of been one of the lessons that I've learned from interacting with you so just from a distance like on the sideline that I haven't commented about, but I have certainly paid attention to that. And and you really practicing that whole you have the choice to take it however you want to take it. That I've actually grown to expect and have been working on implementing more and more in my life because Often that was what I was doing. I, I can resonate with you, Marcia, because I was holding myself back, and I still do it today. I'm not 100% cured of it, but I certainly was holding my tongue when I needed to speak out because I was being controlling, right? And I just need to give other people their opportunity to choose whatever they want to feel as a result. Right. Team Clarity, you're not stupid. I know you are much wiser than you allow yourselves to be. And just like any savvy parent, I mean, Julia, you gave us a really good reminder of this. Your child kind of reminded us all of this a couple calls ago. Your child watches everything you do and everything you say, doesn't she? Yes, she does. I'm watching everything you do and everything you say. And every now and then, I might just take out the stick and bang the bars a little bit to say, speak up. What are you thinking? What are you saying? And if I've pissed you off or if you feel you want to be deference, that's one of the things that the Dalai Lama taught me. Deference is a temperature of your awareness. We should all give everyone the same deference. Finding a mentor 
who allows you to polish your own diamond is priceless. The pressure that we're all under right now, I know every single one of you are under extreme pressure. How are diamonds formed? Anybody want to share their, their wisdom on how they think diamonds are formed? Pressure. Pressure. Extreme pressure. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And aren't diamonds the hardest known substance on the planet? Absolutely. Your heart. The best lessons I've learned in my life are from the hardest lessons, the worst ones. And if I handed you a lump of coal with a $10 billion diamond inside and it hadn't been polished and cleaned and cut by professionals, and if I just handed you that lump of coal, would you look at me and go, thanks? You'd think it's a, it's a lump of coal. I was just going to say, I'd toss that coal right back at you, buddy. <laughs> now, if I knew that there was a big diamond inside, I'd go find out what I needed to do to put the pressure on it. <laughs> Dear Team Clarity, why do you think I chose the logo that I chose for Team Clarity? What's your logo? Diamond. Hello? Every one of these steps that we're doing is a cleaving. Every one of these steps that we're doing is a polishing and a cleaving and a polishing so that when the light hits you, when someone pays attention to you, when somebody listens to your word, when someone reads your blog post, when someone overhears what you're saying, those are sparkles. How do you want to sparkle in the world is my question. I want to be brilliant. I want people to need sunglasses when they look at my diamonds. Now we're talking. Have you ever been walking down the road and see something sparkle, just a little glint, like you cannot ignore it and you have to go off of that path and and try to find it? And then you get to it and it ends up being like a little mirror or something that's reflecting off of the sun. I don't know where that imagery just came from, but that's what I want. (laughs) That is so good, Christina. Maybe we find the brightest lights in the most uncommon places. The risks and rewards of a mentorship is you risk sparkling. You risk outshining your mentor. You risk teaching your teacher. Hello? So, for example, if I handed you a recording, I handed you a little flash drive, And I looked you in the eyes and I said, here's the deal. Guess what? There's a $2 billion idea in this recording. A $2 billion idea. I know it for fact. It's been confirmed. You just have to find the idea. How many times would you listen to that recording? A lot. As many times as it took to find the idea. Every day there would be some listening sessions going on. <laughs> Extrapolate. This journey is that same recording. So we, we continuously need to go be going back through that this journey and picking out those lessons, redefining what our understanding is of that lesson, really going deeper with it. It's that diamond in the rough for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? Think of it in the form of when we talked about the wisdom bank. Your deposits and withdrawals into wisdom bank. 
Are you now more mindful that when you decide to learn something, you're putting a deposit in your wisdom bank that is eternally adding to your balance? Did that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most traditional bank accounts, you put a dollar in. If you take a dollar out, that dollar's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If I handed you a dollar bill that said, when you put this into your bank account, you could write a $100 trillion check and it would cash itself off of this $1 deposit, how fast would you get to the bank to make that deposit? Right away. <laughs> <laughs> Help me understand how you're understanding what I'm sharing with you. I get this notion of being too esoteric. What I'm understanding is when I think of my wisdom bank, I think back from childhood to where I am now, and I think of all the deposits that as the time that I was going through them, I thought was some of the most horrendous experiences ever. But I've been able to go back into my wisdom bank and pull out the lessons from being molested as a child, from having a father who goes to prison when I was five and dies there, from being a survivor of rape. All those lessons I pulled out. And I'm thankful for even the bad lessons. That's where I have learned my most valuable lessons. It's important for me to be aware that I'm thankful for the life that I've had, and it's been a rough one, but I am thankful for every experience that I've had, good and bad, that has made me be the person that I am right now in this moment in time. I'm thankful for my lessons, and I'm thankful for my wisdom. And Chelsea, do you want to share with the group what we were talking about, uh, I guess, last week, or this very topic on the lesson that you learned about forgiveness? As I've stated before, grew up in an alcoholic home. There was physical, sexual, mental, emotional abuse from a stepfather. As I grew up, this went on from the time I was five till I was 16 years old. Flash forward, I left home at 16 to go live with my grandmother, Miss Chelsea Lowe. I'm so much like her, it's not even funny. After leaving home, of course, I marry. But Throughout the next quite a few years of my life, I realized I had to forgive what that man did to me for me. So I started working on that, and I forgave him. Fast forward again, he's been diagnosed with lung cancer. Even his own children never came to see him. I would go every other weekend to spend time with my mom and him because I had forgiven him for what he did to me. At some point during his process before he died, he looked at me in the eye and said, I'm sorry. And I knew and he knew what, I knew what he was saying. So he gets really sick and what eventually kills him is not the lung cancer but a uh, pulmonary embolus. I was the one at the hospital with him. His children were there. I'm the one who was almost up in the bed trying to help him as he bled out. I was the one who was holding his hand when he died because I had been able to forgive this human being for what he did to me. 
And I feel very blessed that I was the one with him when he died. So the forgiveness actually was for me. But in the end, it was for him too. And now you're free. Absolutely. The freedom also comes from talking about it, from telling others about it, because you don't know what's going on in their life. It's absolutely the best freedom that you'll ever feel that I learned true, true forgiveness. And you as a teacher, Chelsea, you as a mentor, to be able to just witness now to anyone listening to this this class or for you to share your story as you blossom into your own next chapter, whatever that is, in your own private practice, there may be one other person living the old Chelsea's life. They're in a home where they're being abused. Mm-hmm. And they're going to hear your story or they're going to come across your story or they're going to come across you. And you could help shorten and stop something that you had to endure far longer than you ever, ever needed to. Yeah. Absolutely. That's my hope and my desire. Me telling my story, no matter how crazy or bad they are, that it helps someone with their journey. That's why finding mentors, I think, are so important. Studying them, finding out who are they, what have they done to get to where they are, how deep are their roots. Ladies and gentlemen, I personally know firsthand people who are multimillionaires right now. But the one thing that they're totally afraid of is that how they got to be a multimillionaire would evaporate if people found out that what they're preaching isn't what they're practicing. So they preach it louder, stronger. They keep raising their prices because people have this silly notion that a $5,000 course is not going to give me as much as a $10,000 course. Well, and if I pay a $25,000 fee, then I'm certainly going to get more out of that than the $10,000 fee. There's that mentality out there, yeah? Yes. How would you feel if you ponied up ten grand because some orator is very charismatic, they can get you going. They can hail Mary and hey Jesus and by God, yes indeedy, I'm going to follow you because you got my pulse going. And then you find out the person's a complete sham after you paid 10000 or more dollars to buy in to their message. I'm sorry, I don't cultivate sham artists. One of the reasons why Pay Me What I'm Worth is one of the toughest courses you're going to take is because I ask you to walk your talk, yeah? (laughs) Absolutely. And Chelsea's story just confirmed, Chelsea, the level of conviction, the level of confidence that you now have as you allow forgiveness to work its magic is palpable. True? Yes, it is. That type of forgiveness is amazing. That type of forgiveness is the biggest, brightest diamond that you could find. If you haven't guessed by now, have you seen how everything we're doing builds upon the other? Yes, absolutely. Help me understand what we're building here. 
what we are building here is, number one, what I see my work to be, and then polishing it. You're polishing your work. You're polishing your goals and your dreams, and each exercise builds on top of the next layer or the next layer that needs to be bust off. We're also building, we had to start off our understanding of ourselves in, in relation to external things, and then we dealt with those internal things, and now we're starting to deal with that person that we want to become and what that's going to require us, to, because you have to be it in order to mentor it, right? Bingo. You got it. And to me, that's magnetic. Yeah? It sure Absolutely. is. Absolutely. So as you have your interviews, I draw your attention to some items on page 53. To be able to tap into that gift of perspective, which I think a mentor is worth their weight in platinum, tap into these questions like, what's the one thing you did that you really didn't need to do, but you did it anyway? Find out how they hit their head. Find out the bumps and the scrapes. Find out what they did when they actually hit those bumps and scrapes. Because guess what? Nine out of ten, you may find yourself doing the same thing. <laughs> and then even more priceless, to get into that gift of relationship building, that gift of whom do you know? Ask them these questions. What types of people did you find you needed most? And when you found them, did they help you or hurt you? Because oftentimes you're going to find when we find mentors and they get a whiff that you just might outshine them. And their egos need that spotlight. Their egos need for them to be the number one person. Their egos need for you to go, oh, yes, you walk on water, your highness, your priestess. And if they get a hint that you just might become the next heir apparent, they might start sabotaging you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are we doing in this exercise that I'm helping you ferret out the difference between a mentor and a wannabe. We're sharpening our discernment with this this exercise. We're going to be able to detect what work it takes to detect fiction versus fact in someone else's beat that we look to as a mentor. So I think that's a good place for us to go a little bit further with it, ladies. What do you think? All these questions that were asked, it continues to take me to my past and those that were in my life, and those that I depended on to help me succeed in life. Once I started to get that ball rolling, it was going two steps back, and me trying to figure out why is someone being this way with me, what did I do, and to come to where I am today through these exercises, I can look back and say, I didn't do anything. I was just being me. I wanted to succeed. You can outshine someone, and they can sabotage that. Now I'm home with my daughter, and I can't blame anyone else for what is going to happen in the future for me. I have to really stay focused on this business, on my exercises, 
so that I don't sabotage myself and make these realities for me happen. There's so much that I have to learn. And there are things where I say, well, this is not going to fit in. This is not congruent. This is not aligned to what I want to do. And being true to myself just helps me become a better person. I'm really, truly being true to myself instead of depending on someone else to help me do it. Boom. I'm giving you virtual knuckles. That's it right there, responsibility. Yeah. Great to have a mentor. I think we all should have a mentor. I had to be careful because I didn't want to depend on someone else to make this happen for me. So you're bringing up a great question on that, Joya, Mm -hmm. and that is the difference between a mentor and somebody, and you have that starry-eyed, like, idol, idolizing someone. There's a difference between that, isn't there? Yes, I am my own mentor. I really am. Back in the days, I'd be like, oh, I would love to be like him. I would love to be like her. But I love me now, so I don't want to be like them. I don't want to have the things that they have. I want my own things. I want to build it myself. How can I be somebody else to allow them to take that from me? It's okay to see someone as your mentor. That's not the issue, right? But the issue no, is that personal responsibility and, and accountability and not idolizing that person, right? Right. I think also the exercise helps us to sort and sift who do we want to listen to, who do we want to be a part of. Because you can know a lot of people, but do you really want to have them completely be in your life is a different story. My mentor was my mom. She taught me how to forgive. I mean, I had my issues with my mother growing up, but my mother at the end taught me how to forgive. She taught me the value of of life, and through that experience, I really carry with me in my soul the importance of life and every moment because life is short. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, so we have to make today worth every moment just special. Whether it's a bad experience, but it was a moment, and that's why I'm so consistent on being with my daughter, my mom was my mentor, and it's very difficult for me to find someone to be my mentor. My mother is gone, so I am my own mentor. So, ready to jump in on this one? I think it's, it's one of the most awe-inspiring moments when we realize our parents are human. Uh, Christina knows how I feel about my mother, but Lord knows she made mistakes. And she was, when I realized she was human, I was able to really get past some bad feelings that I had. Every part of our life, when there's someone in your life that you learn a lesson from, they are a mentor. And when we're searching for a mentor now with our our program here, it's important to remember that not one mentor is going to be everything that you need, that you're going to find bits and pieces in so many different people talking about Julia's relationship with her mom, my hope is that everyone has that time through all the troubles their life has been to find that peace with a person that you really love and you consider a mentor, like a mom or dad. Thank you, Chelsea. So, Marcia, one thing that I'm thinking about is you're in your 
process right now with literally having that discernment with people that you have seen as your mentors. Some you may still see as a mentor in a positive way, and some you may not. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I have learned something from every mentor in my life. Whether I agree or disagree, I still have learned from that experience, having that mentor and having that person guiding me and showing me things and training me. I have learned. Definitely I have learned. Though I may not agree with everything, and that's okay. That's still okay because everything, every person that, that I have had some sort of relationship with in one way or another, I always learn something, always. It's a good thing. Out of that comes many of the experiences that I go through in my life. And so through those same experiences, now I continue to learn. I dare say as you build your business, you can now extrapolate those things and be a better mentor that you're bringing into your business and help them grow their business. Yes, that's exactly right. Because you do have all those perspectives that you've experienced, the different perspectives that people have. That just adds to your daily interactions and daily experiences that you have with people. Good stuff. And Julia, I know you resonate particularly with work-at-home moms, well, parents in general who want to work at home and be be with their children. Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. I'm just realizing that the type of mentor that I'm looking for is different than the mentorship that my mom gave me. It's difficult for me to explain. I categorize it in two levels. There's a business mentor and then there's a life mentor. My mom was my life mentor. I have a business mentor. I respect him. Let's bring it back around to Team Clarity for a moment. And one of the things that I think is important to bring up of this program, and yes, there's a, he, he has a mentorship level there for me, but I don't idolize him. There's some crap there. It's my responsibility to say, I don't know soul about this. Now I think there's some crap there. And then Soul then can have the opportunity to come back. But I think the point that I'm trying to make here is, is we don't put Soul on a pedestal here. Because he's learning in this journey as we're learning. He's learning from us just as much as we're learning from him, right? Right. As with any mentor, we have to make sure we remember they're human. Absolutely. I dare say that Soul would, <laughs> would expect us to say, oh, wait a minute now. I, as a matter of fact, I think there was, a conversation I was having with Soul last week, and I said, wait a minute now. I feel like I did this part. This, like I, this was my obligation, and this is what I meant. So I feel a, a need for some more explanation there. But see, it's important that we feel that way with any of our mentors. And, and so often in our culture, we're taught to, to get starry-eyed, right, to the people that we look up to and respect, right? Right. I just wanted to drive home really the importance that there's a difference between respecting someone as a mentor but staying true to the responsibility that you have to yourself to be a mentor yourself. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I agree. Let's go around the horn here. Marsha, start us off. For as you're going into this next week and you're thinking about your interview, what are your parting thoughts? I'm going to actually ask a few more people just so I can get some perspective 
from them and see where they're at with their mentoring and see how it might fit in with what I'm doing. I guess I'm kind of picky. I guess maybe that's one of the things that I do know about myself is I'm very picky and choosy about who mentors me and how I want to be mentored. I know a few people that are perfect because we resonate with each other so well. I feel that I'm able to grow with these people just because they allow that growth to happen. They allow you to be you, and they, they allow me to be me, and they allow me to use my creative imagination to actually create. So I appreciate that. I can't resonate with mentors that tell me how to do things, and that's it. I think your response is very interesting. First of all, you said, allow me to be that person. And again, just for me, I don't need anybody to allow me to be Christina. I don't need anybody to allow me to be that leader that, that I'm supposed to be, that mentor that I'm supposed to be. I don't need anybody to allow that. There's a space in, in everything for everyone. This goes back to what we were saying in that discussion as so you may just meet a mentor who realizes that you might start to outshine them and want to sabotage them. In my mind, anybody that feels the need to allow me to do something, to have a thumb on my head and how I go about being a leader, there's a difference between doing mentoring someone and bossing someone and micromanaging them in that way, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. I don't see anybody that would say, Christina, your light is getting too bright, let me dim it. I don't see them as a mentor for me. Exactly. The sifting and the sorting come in, right? <laughs> you yeah. know what you want. You know what you want. So, And I think that's my question to the team. That's my question to you specifically right in this moment. Are you clear on what you want? Because do you really want to look to someone who feels the need to allow you do you first want to go enter into something where you're looking for a place? Let me be clear on that. I said that in the wrong way, I believe. I want a mentor that just lets me be and just mm-hmm. lets me be that person that I am. That's what I want. Yeah, I can appreciate that. We do have mentors that really tell you how you should be or how a successful person is supposed to be, but that's mm-hmm. not the same thing as being. Mm-hmm. Virtual knuckles on that one. <laughs> Julia, <laughs> <laughs> Julia, what's your take, your take away? Even through the hurt and the pain, I'm still very, very proud of myself. I've come a long way. i still got a lot to go, but I don't feel alone in this process. Christina, I, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just got to a point where I need to take care of me. Looking at what Julia was saying a little while ago about mentors, um, there's different types of mentors. As I look back over my life, there have been so many different mentors. The Dalai Lama, he's been a mentor through written word. But what I have found is, no matter what I'm reading or listening to, I take from it what my spirit and soul need. And if there's parts of it that I may not agree with, I leave it alone. But I get from that person or that written word, what I need. And I think I need to go on the record to say that I have a hard shell. Christina can attest to that. (laughs) 
One of my biggest mentors in this life has been Christina Irvin. She has pushed me at times that I wanted to strike out. She has encouraged me. She has helped me grow emotionally by helping me, sometimes making me face my fiction about life. So I have to say that with everything in my life, Christina has been one of the biggest mentors I've ever had or ever will. Mentors come in different shapes and sizes and packages. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. And my parting is really, I got a lot more clarification about mentorship and, and who I want to be a mentor and who I have looked to for mentorship. I think, Chelsea, you said for me the biggest takeaway just a minute ago, and that is being clear on who I am, what I bring to the table, who I want to be, so that when I'm looking towards people for mentorship, I am clear on what it is that I need to extrapolate from them. I think that was ballpark grand slam right there, Chelsea. Exactly. I think that's the key, guys. So you don't look for them to be the whole ball. You look to them for what you need. Here's the thing. you got to be clear on it. Like you got to be clear what you need, A, exactly. and you got to be willing to call yourself on that fact versus fiction. Mm-hmm. If you still want to stay in your vanity state and stay where you are, then that's going to make a difference on who you're choosing as a mentor. But if you're really committed to that growth and, and always growing and changing, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not going to feel too easy for me to say, ooh, Christina, you've got to work on this, girl. And that right there is the person that's going to help you work on it. Like That's not going to always be easy, right? Not at all. Not at all. Does that make sense, Marsha, Julia, Chelsea? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yes, it sure does. Good deal. Hey, let's pick it up a little bit on the, on the activity and the blogs in, in, in the back office because what we're working on here is some really good stuff. We're in some, a key area in this process, and clearly throughout this discussion we've gotten so many layers out. I really encourage everyone to just go back and listen to the recordings. I encourage everyone to go back there, listen to it again, take some notes, and really do some digging on the blogging. And I'm going to leave my example and, and, and pick up mine too, okay? Okay. Thank you, Chris. Sounds good. All right, everybody have a great rest of the weekend. Love you guys. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, ladies. Bye. Well, that was great. Thanks for listening. As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, it's my role to help people get serious about removing blocks to success. Blocks like doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. As you've just heard, our team is both real and serious about being the best that we can be. How about you? Are you ready? Are you ready to remove these blocks in your life? As you can see, I'm very serious about helping you live your life with less stress and more success. Call me at 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 so that we can talk about your next steps. To help you take those steps, you're welcome to listen to our library of over 200 very powerful on-demand shows downloadable just for you at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. 
And before you go, let's continue this conversation in the comment box below. I look forward to talking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio, radio worth listening to. Have a great day.